Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Hello, and welcome back to the Stella Labs podcast. I'm Stella Collins, Chief Learning Officer, and I am delighted today to be talking to our Chief Executive Officer, Raf Simus. Raf is one of the kindest, most people-focused people I know, but he combines that with a laser-sharp eye for business and business growth. So I'd like to invite you, our audience, to find out more about Raf Simus and his view on being a CEO within particularly the context of change. Change and transformation is here all around us. And we're reading a lot about what CEOs need to do for the future. It's an enormous responsibility. Now, Raf, this is the second time you've been a CEO, as well as your vast experience before that. So I want to know what it's like from your viewpoint, from the point of a CEO. Yeah. Hi, Stella. And uh, thank you for this flattering intro. <laughs> Not really flattering at to... all. <laughs> thank you for, being on the, for uh, inviting me on your podcast. Go ahead. What is your first question? I want to know, how much are CEOs an influence on the business? How vital are you? Oof. Um, well, it's a fact that the, the CEO holds a position with the biggest responsibility in an organization, and, and therefore he or she has a, a huge impact on the culture, whether he's conscious of that or not. And in my view, the CEO should be the driver and the keeper of the mission, but also the translator of the vision, and also, on top of that, the personalization of the values of the company. And um, if he or she is doing that right and is able to lead by example and inspire his or her team and organization, then I believe that great success will be achieved. On the other hand, if he or she is not doing that and hides from it or even showing the opposite, then he sows doubt and confusion in the organization and uh, frustration and demotivation will follow with all the negative side effects of it, such as a lack of engagement, not taking responsibility, good people leaving, bad customer experience, and so on. But of course, the CEO is, is not alone responsible for this. Eh? He has a board of directors that has to support him, um, but they also have to hold him accountable, uh, and not just for the financials and the profit, because culture has too big of an impact on an organization to neglect it. Um, and on top of that, of course, the whole executive team has a very important role to play. Um, they not only have to be on the same page with each other, but they also should be fighting the same battle. And a strong and aligned executive team should, in my opinion, be the catalyst to the rest of the organization. So that's one of the reasons I really like working with you, Raf, because I think your vision is clear and um, I think we're, we're well aligned. We're definitely fighting on the, the same side here. Absolutely, Stella, absolutely. So what happens if CEOs don't prepare for the future? Yeah. Well, in my opinion, um, it's probably the most important responsibility of a CEO to steer the company into the future and to do everything what's necessary to make that happen. 
Um, and, and this implies different things. Eh? First of all, CEO should be able to deal with uncertainty and, and to take calculated risks. But they should also have a deep understanding of the market and, and pay attention to important evolutions there. And not just in his or her own market, but also on a global scale. And then he has to develop a strategy to anticipate those changes and consequently implement them and follow through on their adoption. And then, of course, start all over again because <laughs> yeah. change is yeah, change is a constant in life and, and therefore also in business. Huh? Um, organizations that can adapt best, uh, they will survive and thrive. And I'm not the one who said that, but it's been said already a lot, uh, many times. And, and companies with rigid structures and a lot of bureaucracy with uh, aversions to change and risk-taking, they're going to have a difficult time and, and eventually disappear with all its consequences. Because when you look at today, the speed at which change takes place in our world is, is so high that it's not easy for organizations to keep reinventing themselves. And nevertheless, it's essential. And the organization must embrace change and innovation. But there are very important requirements attached to it. So if change is inherent and constant, then also your organization needs to be flexible and resilient with a good balance between bringing structure to the chaos, but not too much. Um, and that's that's basically balancing on, on a tightrope. Eh? There's, there's no middle point there and, and it never stops. And also employees must uh, feel comfortable with this change. They have to even thrive in it. And therefore they must be able to gain knowledge and skills quickly and as easy as possible. And, and at Stellar Labs, we call this uh, installing a learning culture. And we're definitely aligned on, on that one, the, the need for a really strong um, learning culture. So I know what I think a learning culture is, but I really want to hear from you, Raf, and I think the audience would really like to know what, what you think the elements are of a really good learning culture. Yeah, yeah of course, we, we did together some, some research on that. And, and when you look at a learning culture, it, it consists of five, uh, five important elements. And, and the first one is um, it has to be a collaborative learning culture and, and, and based on, on systems thinking. Like um, uh, every individual is, is honored, but they also play a vital role in the overall framework. Uh, organizations are made up of smaller units, um, yeah, much like the pieces of a puzzle, but people have to understand the system as a whole, as well as each individual component that's involved. And for example, they must comprehend how compliance and company policy foster a more efficient workplace and also ensure employee safety. So collaborative learning cultures also thrive on different viewpoints. People should respect and honor the ideas of peers and every voice must carry weight. And there's also always room for innovation. So that's one. And then the second element, um, which is my favorite, it's uh, the lifelong learning mindset. And you're um, very good at that. Yeah, I, I've been trained in that as well, and, and, and I really like it. Um, so on an individual level, learning organizations uh, require a forward-thinking mindset, as they say, and employees have to develop a lifelong learning perspective because, yeah, society forces us to do that, uh, wherein they value and understand also the importance of continual growth. And the focus in companies should lie on practical skills and knowledge they can apply on the job and they have to display the people in the company have to display commitment and dedication not only to personal goals but as well as to company-wide learning objectives like for example training soft skills uh, that allow employees to improve customer experience for instance and then the third one um, it's called room for innovation 
And um, this is about mental models. And um, this element is actually twofold. Um, first, people must be able to evaluate and also assess their current cognitions uh, by self-reflection. This allows them to see and to challenge limiting beliefs that are standing in the way of progress. And every individual is then able to see how they fit into the big picture and how they can serve the greater purpose. And secondly, they must be encouraged to test out new theories and approaches because taking risks is part of the equation, obviously. Um, it allows people to learn from their mistakes and continually improve. So mental models should be acknowledged and challenged in order to move beyond unfavorable behaviors and assumptions. I'm just going to, to repeat back, Raf, because, you know, you've got five elements here and I think it's really interesting to hear all five. But just to help people support their memory, I'm just going to repeat back the first three and then we'll we'll carry on with your, your final two. So you've talked about having a really collaborative learning culture. And I think that tied in really nicely as well with what you were talking about in terms of room for innovation. But so you've got this collaborative culture. You've got this this lifelong learning where people, you know, whatever yes. you as you start to learn, as you have that growth mindset, whatever mm -hmm. we want to call it, that has to la last for life. And that will keep you going work and mm -hmm. outside work. And then finally, you've got this kind of room for innovation where it's this kind of opportunity to, to self-reflect, but also that bravery to, yes. to try things. Okay. And, and, All right. and question and question your, your own models and, and, yeah. and change them. Yes. Yeah. And then, and the fourth one, which I also very, very much like, is forward-thinking leadership. Uh, having a shared vision and um, is, is in a company, you should look for forward-thinking leaders. Eh? Like I said earlier, the vision, enthusiasm, and dedication, it starts from the top. And managers and supervisors and trainers, they, they have to be committed to the process and have a shared vision. So in my opinion, leaders should, should challenge assumptions and encourage self-reflection. And they should set an example for their team members. They should also let learners make mistakes and, and build real-world experience. And they should also discuss alternative approaches so that they don't repeat the same mistakes in the future. Yeah, that's, that's really I important. think, very important. Yeah, yeah. And, and just a, a side question there. Do you think the CEOs, too, should be open to making mistakes and sharing them? Absolutely. I think, I think uh, yeah, they should display, uh, they should lead by example and, and yeah. therefore should also be be um, ready to share their, that they're vulnerable, that they don't know everything, um, and that they are open to, to uh, suggestions and ideas from, from, from the rest of the company. Good. I think that's really important too. Yeah, and also should be, should be able to admit that they, that they were wrong. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're also only human. Every, everybody's human. So yeah. why, not, why not the CEO? You're so right. And your fifth one, your fifth element. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's about knowledge sharing, about, about team learning, of course, eh? because collaboration is key in learning organizations and every member of the group must be aware of, of the learning objectives and, and the desired outcomes as well. And then they should work as a collective problem-solving team to, to achieve the goals. Um, and when you think about this, this, this calls for a, a kind of a knowledge sharing infrastructure and, and, and also an effective learning strategy. Because just having, having an, uh, an LMS or an LXP with, with content and training programs is, is definitely not enough. Um, the learning in itself should be enjoyable and effective. And in my opinion, I think all focus should lie on changing behaviors and on the application of skills on the work floor. And, and that's what we call, of course, uh, learning transfer. Eh? And this is also the real return and investment of training. And, and ideally, 
organization should be able to to measure that and quantify it. Um, although, and unfortunately, few organizations are yet capable of doing that. While while it's also so important. And I'm really pleased that we at Stellar Labs we've just instigated what we're calling Brain Time. So we learn, we you know we're constantly learning on the job, but we've actually instigated a session uh, once a month now where one of us, and it could be any one of us, it could be you, it could be down to the you know, the newest member of the team actually teaches the rest of us something so that we are keeping that constant learning going throughout the business, as well as the regular, you know, conversations we're all having. But I'm really pleased with that brain time. I think it's going to be really useful for us as a, as a learning process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's only, it's just a start as well. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. There's a million other things we do to, to <laughs> learn as we go along, but that's, that's a new one for us. So, what do you see as your vision of the future when, when CEOs do the right things? What's, what's the picture you can mm-hmm. paint for us of the future? Yeah. Um, well, I think, first of all, organizations who, who embrace speed and, and are capable of adapting to continuous change, while at the same time having a, a healthy, stimulating and, and supporting learning culture, I'm sure they will, they will dominate the market in their domain. Um, and they will also, on top of that, be a real talent magnet, eh? a company where people want to work for and, and give the best of themselves. But I also think they should have what they call an emergent strategy, yeah? one that kind of entails a relentless quest and an undefined endpoint, but also with a clear and inspiring mission. And, and this pursuit should uh, permanently focus on how do we add more value? How can we solve important problems for people, businesses and society? And, and that's what's called purpose. And it gives meaning to the organization and also to the people working for it. And at the same time, it also unleashes a lot of positive energy, dynamism and, and innovation as well. And, and I think that whole, um, the kind of contrast between, you know, you need a really clear mission, but knowing that, you know, the future is always open. That's a really mm-hmm. interesting dynamic to have to deal with, I think, isn't it? Yeah, sure. And and, and there are certain problems that 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 will never be solved, but that doesn't matter. Uh, you can still strive for it and, and to make them better, I think. Yeah. And I think even as a learning organization, we have to be focused not on, you know, you and I both love learning, but not just focused on the learning for learning's sake, but what's the what's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the business or the organizational problem we're trying to work on? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So thinking about, you know, future proofing, um, I really like the, well, I like our story about starting Stellar Labs, but I think it'd be really nice to hear it from, from your point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a story. Yeah? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, it started, um, the idea um, started in, I think, 2018, uh, while I was at the Web Summit in, in Lisbon, and I was listening to all these talks about uh, the, the pace of change by technology and how it evolves that fast and, and so on. And then with my, with my previous company, we were hiring all these high, highly educated tech people. And I saw the, the huge shortage of these, these types of talent already in the market. And, and I saw 10 years further and I said, this is impossible. We're not going to be able to, to train enough people in, in, in universities and high schools to be able to fill in uh, the need and the demand in the market. So we'll have to be thinking of other ways of, of dealing with this, you can call it skills gap or talent gap or whatever you want to call it. And then I saw like, yeah, the obvious reason, one of the obvious uh, things that we should focus on is, is, is learning and training. 
and then I started reading a lot about um, how how uh, people learn and how we can make our trainings more effective. First of all, it was for for my previous company only, but then after a while, after reading all these books, I saw that well, first of all, the market is huge. Yeah? They're talking about eleven point three million uh, trillion trillion dollars a year in in the learning market so that's that's a vast market first of all um, and then the demand is that big yeah? they're talking about a deficit of 85 million people by 2030 to, who, who don't have the uh, who are the who don't have the skills to do the jobs that are necessary in our companies so from that point on i said okay this could be an independent company and and because we are addressing a problem that is big enough and then one of the books i read stella you know it it uh, it was yours and and um, i really enjoyed it because it, it it was well written it was written in a brain friendly way which for me was the first experience i had with with a, a book written in that way but i really enjoyed it and not just the way it was written but just also the content it summarized quite well with what i read in plenty of other books about uh, about learning um and then i i thought i need to talk to this this woman because she, obviously she knows much more about it and, and she could help me with um developing a methodology or a way in we can train people better within professional organizations. Yes, and the rest, I think, is history. But um, <laughs> I think a, a funny anecdote is like people tend to think that your name, Stella, uh, also refers to the name of the company. Um, but the funny thing is that we already came up with the name before I saw you the first time. And then afterwards, I also understood that your own company was named before Stella Learning. So it's kind of a really uh, funny coincidence. Um, and yeah, it's maybe it was maybe written in the stars that we would collaborate together. I think it was absolutely written in the stars. <laughs> yeah, and that refers to Stellar again there. Yeah, yeah. So here we are, you know, a year on mm -hmm. from where we, well, a year and a bit from where we started. And we know that, you know, upskilling, reskilling, effective learning are, you know, we truly believe they are the key to the future. So what else do you see that CEOs need to do to prepare for this future? Mm -hmm. I, I like this question. Um, <laughs> um, well, in my opinion, and I, I will just give one um, important uh, uh, tip. Um, I could really recommend to look more at, at interesting research uh, and apply it in, in, in your business because 99% of everything we are trying to do in our organizations has already been done successfully elsewhere. So reinventing the wheel is almost impossible, first of all, and is mostly a waste of time and money. Um, the downside of that is, is, of course, that every month, more than 78,000 academic research papers are published worldwide. And, and those are just the ones that, that pertain to, to people and organizations. However, there are, there are great resources that, uh, that make it really easy uh, for business people and for leaders to stay up, stay up to date. And, I can warmly recommend uh, the Oxford Review, where we have a membership there. And, and But the Oxford Review team, they, they scan all of these uh, research papers and, and they choose the most practically relevant for their members. And then they summarize them in, in three to four pages and also translate them from, from academic to, to human language. And for me, it's a fantastic source of, of relevant, practical, but also substantiated and, and up-to-date information. It um, saves a lot of time. Oh, yeah, it saves, uh, yeah, you, it's impossible for a human being or even for a company to, to go through all these 78,000 research papers. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So you need a, you need a, yeah, an organization that can, can help. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And summarize it as well, because 
will be a full-time job at least for a for a team of uh, i don't know five ten people perhaps yeah there's quite a few of them there i think <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. i can also recommend for um anybody who's also interested in that the british psychological society also has a really good research digest that digests um you know does a very similar job um mm -hmm. not in quite the same detail but again kind of takes complex research and makes it applicable and approachable Mm -hmm. I think what's also important there is that um, the research papers that are, are um, summarized are um, picked on, on qualitativeness, like um, is it serious research what is done, is it not just been done in a company for, with 100 people, no it should be done uh, thoroughly and, and that's also why I really like the Oxford Review because they yeah. know what kind of universities done, uh, have, have done good research so far and, and yeah, it's a big help for us. Uh, yeah, they look at the research methodology as well as just the yes, results. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as a leader, what what are the top ideas that you've come across recently? The ones that really excite oh, yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot of things, but I I try to uh, to limit it to to four. And of course, I would I would definitely recommend to to have a, a look on new principles in leadership, like for instance the neuroscience of leadership. Um, and which refers to, to the power of neuroplasticity and, and unleashing brain agility and re resilience and creating the conditions for, your su for success in your organization by leading teams and shifting the culture from fear to trust and creating psychological safety and a resilient organization with resilient people. I think that's really valuable to, to have a look at that because some interesting research has, uh, has been, uh, been done there. Um, and then which is part of this as well, is called ambidextrous or paradoxical leadership. I think it's a really exciting uh, concept, which has been thoroughly researched uh, by one of our advisors, Stephen Pullmans, by the way. Um, and it refers to the, the simultaneous use of explorative and exploitative activities by leaders. Um, it is defined as seemingly competing yet interrelated behaviors to meet structural and follower demands simultaneously and over time. Oh. <laughs> and to give, <laughs> That's to, give, to, give a, to give some uh, some examples, eh? because as leaders we're we're dealing with paradoxes constantly in our organizations. Eh? I will give an example, like for instance, eh, we have to balance the expectations of the shareholders for making profit with, for instance, the the important importance of sustainability and and the costs involved, or um, the needs and interests of the team versus those of the customers. But for me, I think in this part, the most interesting part is, is the capacity of, of dealing with these paradoxes that they force us to use different parts of our brains. And, and therefore, we have to be able to actively and consciously switch between them. And, and, but luckily, we can, we can train ourselves and, and become better at it. Yeah, and, and that's then, definitely about making your... So it's, it's a skill we have naturally, but you can yes. definitely enhance that skill. Absolutely. That's what makes it exciting to me, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is, is, is servant leadership. It, it's not a new concept, but I think it's, it deserves more um, um, research and, 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 well, a better look at it. Um, it's based on the idea that leaders should be placing the benefit and welfare of those who follow over his self-interest. Uh, it focuses on, on, on the behaviors that develop and engage with the people they are leading. Um, and they place the interest of their people as primary focus above their own. And there's been some really interesting research about the effectiveness of that and, and what effect of it it has on the culture of the organization and on, and on the teams in general. Um, and then finally, and then of course it's preaching for, uh, for the choir, is, is how people really learn. I think 
yeah, we're at a certain um, stage, um, and also COVID has has uh, added to that. That organizations are really struggling with. We need. We know that we have to develop and train our people in our organizations almost constantly, and we invested already a lot of money in in, in technology and maybe in, in in trainings as well. But they also see that the effect of this of it is not really what it could be. Um, and, and research has given already a lot of insights on, on how people learn. Uh, we know quite a big deal on, 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 on how people learn most effectively. For instance, neuroscience uh, show that learning a skill, it changes your brain and that these changes revert when the practice of the skill ceases. Yeah? But these insights, they, they just need to be applied in, in, in our learning solutions. And I think that's an important next step for the yeah, L&D uh, in, in organizations. I mean, for me, that's the the one thing that's going to change learning is if all the people who are doing the learning are actually highly skilled at learning. It makes yes. it so much easier for them to learn everything else. It's it's yes, yeah, absolutely. Crucial that's, life skill. Yeah, it's what we and, call and, the learning agility. Yeah, and fundamental to business performance and business growth. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's one of the pillars. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for success, uh, for having success in in, in business. Yeah. It's a good job we agree on that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> would be strange if we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, yeah, that would be really unfortunate. Yeah. Now, you've already talked about um, behaviours and the importance of, you know, changing behaviours. It's not just about, you know, content. It's not just about having knowledge. So what do you think CEOs need to actually do? So not just know, what do you think they need to do? Yeah, good question. Um I see three very important things there, um, and that's people, customers, and technology. Um, and I would start with with people because focus on the people because they are the future of your of your company. What do people need from a company to to be able to thrive and and to be engaged and and grow within an organization? And and I think first of all, it's you have to have a good purpose. You have to have a why, which is inspiring. And why are we doing this? What value do we bring uh, to people, to companies, to society? How are we making life better? And and make sure that that purpose is is clear and appealing, and also in line with with the present global needs. Uh, for instance, if your products or the or your production process is is polluting and and you don't act upon it, or if it's causing damage or is dangerous in one way or another, then I do recommend to rethink them carefully and, and adjust. And uh, and then secondly, I think yeah, hiring the right people is a very important focus uh, also for CEOs. And to be able to do that, you should also work on, on your company culture because when people love to work uh, in your company and where they can thrive, grow, learn, but also feel safe and feel valued, then like I said before, your organization will become a, a talent magnet. And it's really a competitive advantage to have really great people in your organization. And I heard a really nice phrase today that I'd not come across before, but it really inspired me kind of based on that. And it was this idea of a, a simply irresistible organization. I think it's a Josh uh, Bursin um, quote. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. love the idea that, you know, it's irresistible to want to work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you hate to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and I would hate to leave Stella Labs. It's true. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> So what, what are we're, the we're not planning steps? on that. No, we're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, and then I said, yeah, focus on on your customers, and and I know it's it sounds like an open door, and it's it's very obvious, but when you think about it, and, and how much time 
did you spend lately uh, listening to your customers? When was the last time that you had an open conversation with them? Do you know where their biggest challenge lie? And what do they really think of your services or products? And, and actually what they expect from you. Do you, all, do you know that? Are you aware of that? Because, because of that, you can, you can define and, and come up with maybe new opportunities for them. But it can be quite a scary question to ask, can't it? Perhaps, but I, in my experience, talking when you have an open conversation with clients, first of all, they are, um, they're not often asked to do that. But it's not scary for clients because usually they really like it because finally one of their suppliers, they ask, like, what do you like about us? What, what you're missing? It's, it's, I think it's very, it's common sense that, it's, uh, that, that you should do it. And also I never had the experience that clients say, no, we don't want to do that. On the contrary, they really like it to give feedback. Yeah, no, I was thinking it's scary for, for you as the, uh, the supplier to actually ask that question. But I think you've answered that fantastically because actually the customers like it. So it's actually another form of customer service. Yeah, it also depends how you approach it. If, if, you, if you approach it with the fear of, oh, they're going to criticize me, yeah, then you can become anxious about it. But if you just approach it by as being curious, like you're really interested in what they know and what they want to tell you, then it's a gift what they will give you. And you don't have to be scared of that. That's really nice. And your technology focus. Yeah, I mean, technology is, is everywhere and, and everything that can be automated will eventually be automated. That, that's a given. And also, if you think that it won't go that fast and it will last your time, I think it's time to wake up and, and start preparing for the worst then. Um, but also, in my opinion, technology is rarely the solution in itself. It's, it's rather a, a powerful enabler. Um, but not exploring and taking advantage of its possibilities would be just plain stupid. But also the same goes for adopting technology without a, a thorough uh, investigation and, and also a clear business case. But yeah, technology should be on top of the agenda, I think, for, uh, for each CEO. Yeah, you definitely just don't want to go for that, uh, here's a shiny new thing, I'm going to buy it. No, 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 sure, surely not. There's been spent and lost a lot of money on those things. But it's, uh, on the other hand, not saying that yeah, we're not going to use technology because we don't believe in it. Yeah, then you're up for disaster. Eh? Yeah, definitely. Raf, thank you very much. I think you've shared your insights to uh, to having a future-proof organization really beautifully. You've, you've articulated them clearly. And I think uh, people are going to have a lot to take away and, and think about. And this is really important, I think, for CEOs to future-proof their own their own roles. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's, it's also changing constantly. Yeah? If you look at a CEO 20 years ago and, and a CEO now, it's, it's, there's been a, an enormous change in, in the personalities. Eh? If you look, for instance, at Satya Nadella from, from Microsoft, he's so uh, humble, vulnerable. Um, and if you compare that with a Jack Welch 20 years ago from General Electric, which, were both very, which are both very, very good CEOs, but the, the difference in, in personality, it's, 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 it's huge. Yeah? So yes, the, the, the role of a CEO uh, changes too. And the expectations of, of how a CEO should act and should be also change. I can see a whole new podcast topic coming up there. <laughs> <laughs>
With pleasure, Raph. Stella. With pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much, Raph. That was really great. And um, thank you for listening. And please come uh, come back and listen to our podcasts again. And come and talk to us. Come and talk to Raph if you've got some ideas about how you want to grow your business, how you want to develop that learning culture, because Raph's always happy to share what he knows. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm very happy to address questions and and, and listen to, uh, to problems and, and whatever. Yes. It was my pleasure to be here as well, Stella. I, uh, I love the questions. They were quite uh, challenging and very interesting. Made me reflect and I learned a lot about uh, yeah, different things again. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.